are now listening to Burgundy Blogcast, the official podcast of Burgundy Blog. Burgundy Blog! On the Redskins for the truth. What's up? This is Brent. Welcome to a special Christmas edition of Burgundy Blogcast, a solo episode. My usual partner in crime, Hayes, is MIA. Actually, that's not fair. Hayes just didn't respond to my text message about 10 minutes ago. We had absolutely no plan uh, for timing this post-week 16 episode of the Burgundy Blogcast, so I can't say that I blame him. He's probably sleeping off a fun Christmas day, but I had a couple things that I wanted to say about the game and about the future for the Redskins. So here at about 11 p.m. on Christmas night, my gift to you on this Christmas Uh, To you Redskins fans, and especially you fans of Kirk Cousins in particular, is the gift of hope. So, first of all, the Redskins beat the Broncos yesterday on Christmas Eve 27-11. to Pretty much a butt-whipping, surprisingly. Uh, I didn't think they were going to win. I wasn't like super duper skeptical, but um, I didn't really think it was in the cards. Denver coming in uh, with still a very strong defense featuring Von Miller and an outstanding secondary uh, in spite of their bad record. Um, Of course, quarterback position has been a major issue for them all season, and it was again in this game, and it accounted for much of that uh, 16 point final point spread. Uh, Osweiler was just horrendous and he doesn't belong as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think that was most of the story of this game. Also, Kirk Cousins deserves some credit. He threw for just shy of 300 yards. Uh, he looked good against that good defense. And uh, despite a, a really bad, uh, first quarter, he shook it off and figured it out. Um, and did uh, much better than most quarterbacks have been able to do against Denver this year. So uh, credit to him, uh, major credit to Jay Gruden for the second game in a row in what many fans would consider a meaningless or pointless game for clearly getting his team ready to play. They, they absolutely looked like they had something to play for, whether it was just pride or, you know, obviously their own individual livelihoods. Uh, they, 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 you know, clearly cared and it was enough. It worked. It was more than enough. Um, I think that's very much to Jay Gruden's credit. Um, there were a couple big losses prior to these last two games where, you know, questions were starting to arise, at least among the fan base and, and some prominent media about, you know, whether his motivational skills and his influence and his presence in the locker room was, was still, uh, beneficial, um, and, and I think he's answered those questions uh, here in these last couple of weeks. I think his seat is no longer the slightest bit warm, if indeed it ever was at all. Um, I think he's acquitted himself here in this season of many, many bad injuries. And pretty much regardless of what happens next week, I really don't think that there's any remaining uh, drama about the head coaching position on this team. Also in this game, I was thrilled to see Josh Doxson get at least a dozen. In fact, I think 13 total targets. I was not so thrilled to see him catch only two of them. He remains a real puzzle and uh, scored on the long touchdown, which didn't really earn him too much credit in my book because he was so wide open because of the coverage bust. Um, He dropped what should have been a pretty easy touchdown, 
really just kind of a disappointing uh, overall performance given finally the volume of targets that I've been begging for them to give him. Uh, didn't really work out. I, I still like Josh Doxson as a super high ceiling receiver and a potential eventual WR1 for this team. But I don't think he's shown enough for the team to really assume that he will become that next year. And I certainly wouldn't blame them for going out and acquiring a veteran who could potentially take over that, that sort of commanding uh, X position role, if you will. Um, I, I definitely think it's too early to write off Josh Doxson, but uh, despite his his team lead in touchdowns, which I think is at six, um, I would have I would have liked to see a little bit more from him this year, given the health that he had and the opportunities that he's had recently. Um, so I, I think the book is far from fully written, but a little bit disappointed there. Capri Bibbs was a bright spot on offense. Um, they obviously didn't feature him, and I don't know if this guy is even really worth talking about, but I think he's done enough, I think he's shown enough to be in the conversation for next year. I mean, if, if he's, I'm actually not sure what his contract situation is, but um, I, I don't see a reason the Redskins shouldn't consider giving him an opportunity in camp next year because, I mean, he's he's got some burst that, that the other uh, running backs on this team lack outside of Chris Thompson. He seems to have really good instincts slash vision, um, I, I'm not sure that he's just like a backup third down back or, or, or that it's just that he's a better pass catcher than P. Ryan, for example. I think he might actually be a better overall back. I mean, this this is a guy who is not a third down back by nature, really was not in college. I mean, he's, he's a runner. Uh, he can run between the tackles. So I, maybe I've already spent too many words on Capri Bibbs, but um, I kind of like this guy. I'm interested to see if he might have a role on the team next year. On defense... Ryan Kerrigan was just so, so good again. And, I mean, he just keeps flying under the radar because for an outside linebacker, I guess he's not sexy. Uh, he, he doesn't make a ton. You know, he's not, like, super fast. Uh, he doesn't make a ton of, like, flashy plays. But he, he regularly makes a lot of big plays. I mean, he yes, occasionally he disappears. But, I mean, outside of the absolute best, most elite pass rushers. I mean, you're going to have off games, but this guy really just took over um, with two sacks, and uh, Ryan Kerrigan continues to be a player that Redskins fans underappreciate, and he remains in the prime of his career, of course, but I fear that time will go by, three or four more years will 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 pass, and his career will be up, and we will realize what we had in him and that we didn't fully appreciate it. So uh, I think more people should be hardcore fans of Ryan Kerrigan. He's just a uh, just a good all-around player and really had a humongous impact on this win over the Broncos. Preston Smith showed up again, had I think two sacks of his own. Um, so that's two games in a row where he's uh, he's kind of emerged. This is sort of what he does, I guess, is like basically take the middle part of the season off and then start kicking ass in December. I guess it's better than nothing. Really would like to see him start to put it all together. Maybe next year is, is finally the charm. Um, but uh, one other guy I wanted to mention on defense is Zach Vigil, who has been forced into action by numerous injuries to the inside linebackers. This is a guy that was with the Redskins in camp, got cut, was on the street for a while, is back and pressed into emergency action, and he's been pretty good. He's racking up the tackles. I think he might have had 14 tackles 
Uh, Zach Vigil's a guy who might also carve out a role for himself next year, and I think Will Compton in particular. I don't really know what the Redskins' plans are for Compton, but if he gets healthy and they want to bring him back, I think Vigil is serious competition to Compton as a um, reliable backup inside linebacker and potentially like a borderline starter if they do not make a move for um, a top-line inside backer in the draft or acquire another one by free agency, and especially if they're not able to retain Zach Brown. Anyway, those are the things I took away from this arguably futile uh, or inconsequential second-to-last game of the season, but a few observations. Um, Hopefully, in Week 17 in New York, the Redskins can close it off with the third straight win, and I think finishing at 8-8 would be, you know, not special. Um, They're not throwing parades for 500 teams, and it doesn't necessarily... Um, or would not indicate progress, I don't think, but uh, would be respectable, especially, again, in light of of some adversity that the team faced this year. So I think they could hang their heads pretty high if they were able to uh, to close off uh, the season with a, with uh, another win and an 8-8 eight and eight finish. Um, I'm not going to spend much time talking about the Pro Bowl thing. Uh, Kerrigan, Trent Williams, and Sheriff were selected. They are all, of course, deserving. Uh, there was some question about whether Kendall Fuller should have gotten consideration, and I do think that he probably has been maybe the best defensive player for the Redskins this year, uh, just in terms of overall ability and production from the opportunities that he's had. Uh, you can make a case for Zach Brown. You could make a case indeed for Kerrigan. But um, Fuller's been awesome. I'm not at all surprised he didn't make it or upset. Uh, you know, to be honest, I don't really care much about the Pro Bowl voting. It really does not match up generally with who's the best player. There's a lot of just kind of like popularity contest uh, vibe to the whole Pro Bowl voting thing. But as a slot corner in his second year and a guy who didn't do anything as a rookie, it is like absolutely, it would be a shock if he had been even close. But, you know, I think he, he did enough this year to be a guy that um, will be a, a candidate for the Pro Bowl next year. And I, I think that if, in fact, uh, Bashad Breeland ends up moving on um, because he becomes too expensive for the Redskins, Fuller is a guy who I, I think we should expect to continue to be a very good player, whether they keep him inside in the slot or move him outside on uh, closer to the boundary. I, I thought he was an outside corner when he came out and I would have, you know, I think it would be fine if they kept him in the slot because it's a, it's a very important position and he's shown he can do it. But I also think it would be a, a totally reasonable um, move to, uh, to move him outside where he could have maybe even a bigger impact on, uh, on top wide receivers. I think there's one other thing I wanted to touch on here to wrap up this short Christmas solo edition of the blogcast. This is kind of um, not so much an epiphany that I had, but something that occurred to me, or maybe more accurately reoccurred to me here over the course of this week. This is this is something about Kirk Cousins and the um, the likelihood of him returning to the team next year and, and eventually signing a long-term contract or not with the Redskins at, at some point, whether it be this year or next year. I think this is obviously going to be the key, number one, main, uh, probably tiresome, very tiresome topic of conversation for Redskins fans going forward for the next several months until the uh, franchise tag deadline in July. And this is something that uh, everybody listening to this already knows and has thought about, but this is no, this is no th- recent thing from the month of December or even November. In fact, this this is nothing even from the entire played 
2017 season. Um, this is just something I, that, that occurred to me that I think is important that actually took place in the offseason, or actually did not take place, I guess. But anyway, what I'm, what I'm talking about here is the fact that the Redskins did not draft a quarterback last year. Uh, they didn't draft one early. They didn't draft one in the middle rounds. They didn't draft one late. They didn't draft anybody to develop. Of course, Nate Sudfeld was still on the roster at the time. Uh, but the Redskins did not make a move for a young stud or developmental QB prospect who could potentially be groomed as an eventual successor to Kirk Cousins. They didn't do anything. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't draft one. They didn't acquire one. They, they stuck with Sudfeld, and then, furthermore, they cut Sudfeld, of course, before the season even started. Um, the Redskins went into the season with two quarterbacks and without a developmental guy on the roster. For them at that time, in August and September, to feel that not even having another guy who could potentially be waiting in the wings to compete with Colt McCoy uh, in 2018... I think it said something then and continues to say something now about what they thought about the likelihood of Kirk Cousins being back. I think, you know, you could say, of course, okay, well, maybe they just have supreme confidence in Colt McCoy and he was just this top plan B option all along, right? I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess. Um, but for them to say back then in, that, in, in last April, um, well, we're not even going to try to acquire another quarterback who could potentially be a long-term starter. And then when the season came, they, they, they said about the guy who they drafted late in the previous draft, well, we don't even want him around anymore. Um, even though he's you know got some good physical traits and he's had some good practices, we're, we're actually moving on from him. We're going to let him go to the Eagles, of all places. Uh, I sure think it said something then about their confidence that Kirk would be back one way or another in 2018. And I'm not saying that they knew then for sure, although I have done a couple of podcasts saying that I, I suspect actually that they thought at the beginning of this whole process that when they when they slapped him with that first franchise tag that it was potentially a decision that involved sort of an expectation of a second and maybe even a third tag. But anyway, I'm, I'm not positive that they just decided not to draft a quarterback. Maybe they were just following their board or whatever. But I'm not saying that they knew for sure that they were going to tag him if they had to. But I'm feeling like at, at that time, they really thought Kirk would be back. And if they thought it then, I sure don't think anything has happened this year. In this year where he's had to navigate the losses of all of his top skill players. Um I certainly don't think anything has happened this year that would make them any less, uh, you know, confident in him um, or, or to devalue Kirk in the eyes of Bruce Allen and Doug Williams and Jay Gruden. I mean, he's he's had another good year in spite of all the issues. I mean, he's working with nothing right now, and he's continuing to put up numbers. I mean, not every game. I mean, he's he's hindered, but he's having a good season. It's it's really if you're if you're arguing against that at this point, I just don't know what you're watching. He's having a good year. Again, he's basically doing, again, what we've seen him do a couple years in a row already. And he's pretty much a known quantity now, or he at least has established, I think, a very high floor. And so if, if indeed the Redskins were thinking over this past summer that they had a plan, either by tag, uh, you know, franchise or transition tag, 
or by, you know, maybe surprisingly, shockingly, a long-term deal uh, coming up here in, in the summer of 2018. I don't know. But if they thought then that it was so likely that he would be back, which I think that the, the, the their stubborn refusal to draft a guy and then to eventually cut Sudfeld did reflect, I, I don't think that anything has happened to change that. So I still think that, that they want him back and that one way or another he's going to be back. There'll be plenty more time to discuss whether I think – it's most likely that they will franchise or transition tag him. And in fact, I'm still not super confident one way or another. But I just don't think that they're planning on letting him go. Um, and, and I've said nothing here in, in, this, in this pod about you know, what he wants. But I'm not sure it matters. I don't think they're ready to give up on him yet. Uh, so uh, if, if you, like me, are a guy who wants to see the Redskins keep Kirk Cousins around and hopefully keep him for uh, you know, the, the remainder of the prime of his career, which he's really just entering... Uh, I think that maybe this is something to think about and and kind of um, hang your hat on um, and and be optimistic about, in spite of all the um, you know not controversy but but sort of negative news and expectations and the, this sort of this fairly pervasive sort of but vague feeling that that he's gone. Um, I still don't think that. I, I think obviously there's a chance, but I'm, I'm still leaning towards him being back. And in fact, I think it's more likely than not that he will not only be back next year, but that he will eventually sign a multi-year deal with the Redskins. I think he's looking for a reason to do it more than he is for a reason not to. I really still believe that. So keep that in mind. I don't know if I'll be back this week with Hayes or not, but, um, we will certainly do something after the final game of the season, and we'll see about um, you know maybe maybe a couple of uh, Burgundy blogcasts through January as long as the NFL season is still going on. Um, as always, hit me up on Twitter at Burgundy Blog uh, with any thoughts or comments about this podcast or anything else going on with the Redskins. Hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and we'll talk soon. See ya. Thanks for listening to Burgundy Blogcast, the official podcast of Burgundy Blog. Burgundy Blog! On the Redskins for the truth. Please tweet me, at Burgundy Blog. Tweet, tweet.